0: On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: And good morning, one and all. Frank Proctor here, sous chef of the garden, or under undergardener.
0: Yes, be clear on that. Seated
1: very closely uh, to Charlie Dobbin, in order that she can hit me as we <laughs> do the show and I do things that she didn't like. You know. <laughs> How are you this morning,
2: Charlie? I'm very well, huh? thank you. had a lovely couple of days of just total R&R up at a... Beautiful home on right on Sparrow Lake.
1: Oh, that's for the birds. Yeah. Hey, no, I I understand. It <laughs> See, you're starting Good to hit thing me already. We're close. Yes. Okay, yeah. Oh. Uh, anyway, anyway, that's great. Good yeah. A little time away, and here we are. Can you believe it's the Labor Day weekend?
2: Oh, I don't want to think about it. Uh,
1: but no. it's a going
2: it to be a. It is starting oh. to be, and is going to continue to be an absolutely gorgeous weekend. Perfect. Yep. Getting out into the garden. Not too hot. Yes. Blue, blue skies. Uh, super dry in my neighborhood. I'm Not sure if anybody else is getting much mm-hmm. rain, but it's certainly. Been one dry summer. Has it ever? Huh? So yeah. yeah, I guess you know, getting out the water is going to be one of the things on my my list this weekend for sure. Well,
1: as we look toward fall, which is not all that far off. Oh, stop really. saying well, that. No, no, the but, you, know, you have to start thinking about preparing stuff that you got to do in the garden.
2: Well, that's right, and preparing the plants yeah. to yeah. get through what you said might be a crazy winter. Well, I
1: don't know where this Stern report. from. Yeah, like, came are you a from?
2: meteorologist underneath no, all no. this?
1: <laughs> no, no, but I. Did hear and uh, uh, I said to be corrected uh, <laughs> that it's going to be a cold winter. Did you and dream lots this of snow. or
2: really hear I this? Might have. <laughs> I might have. You, you know. never know, right? All right. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. Well, we're going to find out, and oh, actually, we'll check with the almanac because that's okay. the go-to for. There you go. Forecasts. Let me get the phone numbers
1: on the air for folks who aren't familiar with them. I, although I find that highly. Uh,
2: unlikely. Put it in your speed dial. Uh,
1: all right. <laughs> Toronto area listeners, please call uh, 416-360-0740. Then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Remember our mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. That lets a lot of folks get in, you see. And if you are a first-time caller, let Sebastian, our operator, know, because then when you come to the air... You'll hear that your little wings. You'll re- <laughs> you you'll, you'll, you'll
2: earn. Yeah, exactly for calling, and it's a big welcome bell too. Exactly. Uh, all right. Oh, um, your notes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my, my details of what's coming going on, and of course, now that we are into September, mm-hmm. everybody's back in action in terms of the Hort Societies and Garden Clubs. So. Mark your calendars. Tuesday, September the 6th, the Richmond Hill Garden and Horticultural Society meets at 8 p.m. at the McConaughey Senior Center, which is one zero one zero zero or ten one hundred young street in richmond hill martin galloway will be providing tips on what grows and thrives in shade so instead of just hostas he's going to give options for plants with color that will grow even in dry shade so that's a very good topic for most of us it's also a very fun group i highly recommend you can you attend that meeting if you can saturday september 10th so that will be next saturday Be wowed by the 112 different categories of flowers, vegetables, and designs presented by the members of the Agent Court Garden Club for a friendly competition. They say friendly, uh, yeah, um, yeah. you know, gardeners. They don't. There's no such thing as a friendly competition. It's like serious. Uh, don't miss this opportunity to watch these people competing.
1: <laughs> Taken to the mat, exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. But you know, mingling with the friendly crowd in the tea room while you take in the scents and, vi- and visuals. The tea room on site for light refreshments and socializing. There will be home baking, obviously, all kinds of nice teas. Two o'clock till four thirty in the afternoon next Saturday at the Uh, Open to the public, Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue, which with its entrance just off a rural avenue. Um, Sunday, September the 11th, so that would be next Sunday, the Hamilton and Burlington Rose Society's meeting at 2 o'clock at the Royal Botanical Gardens Centre, 680 Plains Road West in Burlington. The speaker is Claudette Sims, and she is introducing the world of incredible edible flowers. No entrance fee. Again, everyone is welcome. So, you know, if it's not a gorgeous sunny day and you're not out in the garden, why not go inside and meet some like-minded folk and uh, have some fun and learn.
1: Learn a whole bunch.
2: Learn a whole bunch. Like, there's always great stuff going on. So just one more thing happening also next Sunday, September the 11th. From 12.30 to 4 o'clock, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society will be meeting, and they have their members' plant sale. That's a very big deal because the members of the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society are serious geeks. And <laughs> they bring cool plants from their gardens, which they've been propagating because they, they're such collectors. They're mm. collectors of all the unusual. So they bring stuff that they've been you know, nurturing all summer to the plant sale, shared amongst themselves and, of course, open to the public. Bill McNamara will also be joining. Uh, He's from the Quarry Hill Botanical Garden in California. His presentation is titled Plant Hunting in China. So this gentleman, Bill McNamara, has traveled extensively to see plants in their natural habitat throughout the wilds of Asia, working closely with local botanists, Bill and his colleagues pursue their mutual goals of research and conservation. So he's going to be he showing—
1: He sounds like a serious geek. Yeah, My exactly. Yeah.
2: A, yeah, <laughs> geeks attract geeks. So Bill will share some of his adventures and his discoveries with the group. So that remember to put that on your calendar as well.
1: All righty. We have a full bank of lines. Uh, a folks full bank of want... lines. Well, yeah. We have several Wait. phone lines here, and they're all banked up oh, God. waiting to talk to you, Charlie. So ah. let's take a little break here in the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio as we broadcast live and direct from the
0: uh,
1: Zoomerplex <laughs> in Liberty
0: Village. Where are we? Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie
1: and Frank here on a Saturday morning saying hi as we dash off to Dundas. There's Jean. Good morning, Jean.
3: Good morning. Morning. Um, I have a problem with my oak tree. Uh-huh. There's little tiny brown dot, look like dots on them, and the leaves have been being eaten, and there's little white worms.
2: Oh, uh, okay, so little white worms on the leaves? All I've seen them is on the trunk of the tree. Oh. How little? Oh. Um, like, oh gosh. Like tiny tiny, like microscopic or like like about your fingernail. Oh. So on the trunk and you're seeing it looks like shotgun holes through the leaves or no, chewing from a the edges. No. dot sitting on top of the leaf. And how old's the oak tree? About 35. Oh yeah, so it's a big old tree. Um, okay, when it comes to leaf damage at this time of year on any of our trees, I always try to recommend people not get stressed about it because, of course, these leaves are just about done. We're, you know, getting towards the end of the season. As long as the leaves have are predominantly green, they can continue to photosynthesize and continue to feed the tree, if you will, uh, by absorbing sunlight. So that's all fine and good, and we like that. And they
3: still have acorns on them.
2: Yeah, yeah so they have obviously flowered, and they're they're fruiting now, and which is what they should be. Um, worms on a tree, I would probably just get out a sharp blast of a hose and wash off any animals on the trunk of the tree, uh, just with straight, you know, a blast of water. Um, next spring, do you ever fertilize this tree? Have you ever fertilized no. it? Uh, we've
3: had the arborist since, uh, oh gosh, about six or seven years ago. Right. So we th- thought it was dying. Oh, okay. But uh, everything seemed to come back.
2: That's good. And did the arborist do some thinning or trimming or anything at that nope, time? No, just spray. Oh, okay. So, and do you know what this spray was for? Oh, uh, gypsy moth, I think, at the time.
3: Okay. But there could have been something on that tree, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, we do get years where we have tent caterpillars. Where we have, At this time of year, we get the fall webworms out on the tips of trees. So, yes, any any moving larva on trees should be squished or shot off, like I said, with water. Or soap and water even can work on a lot of them, as long as they're not inside a, um, you know, a, a web. Is
3: there, are, is there any kind of a sticky substance I could put on the trunk of the tree at the bottom to maybe... Maybe yep. Like, like I could put Vaseline on my, <clears throat> don't.
2: my squ- squirrels. Yeah, don't put Vaseline so on on the trunk of a tree, though, because that okay. uh, blocks the ability for air and gas exchange. Okay. There is something out there called tangle foot, and tangle foot is a sticky substance that you do paint onto, either directly onto the trunk, though I think you paint it onto like a piece of paper, literally, and it's like a collar that goes around the tree, and yes, it stops anybody who's trying to climb. Uh, No worries. And that's
3: called tangle... Tangle
2: foot. One word, tangle foot. And you can get that at any good garden center. And like I said, I wouldn't worry about the leaves right now, but I would seriously consider uh, either bringing in an arborist for some deep root fertilizing perhaps next spring. Right. Uh, Even perhaps this fall, you could bring in an arborist just for a visual uh, check and a quote for what that person would charge to do what things like a deep root. And it doesn't cost
1: you anything to do that. Yeah, deep root
2: feeding for next year. Davy tree, I know. Has offices all yes, over Ontario. In our area, yeah. Oh, okay. Then they're happy to come. You know, they'll schedule you in and whatever the next month or so. Come and take a look at what's going on with the tree and make recommendations for moving forward. Okay, thank you
1: so much. Thank you, you, Jean. You? Take care of things in Dundas for us, and uh, let's whip along to Whitby. Hey, uh, more... there's <laughs> alliteration. <laughs> you are <I> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ruth. Good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show.
4: Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good thank you. Good morning. Um, la- I think I called last week. I have a peas lily Mm -hmm. and uh, I've got it in February and it was doing very well and I had not lost any leaves. And then in the past uh, week or so, uh, five leaves have gotten dry at the edges and dry along the main vein of the leaf. Uh And uh, so I pinched those off. And um, I don't, oh, and I lifted it out of the, because you thought perhaps. Um, it might have roots coming out the bottom of the pot, but it does not. I mm-hmm. took it out and looked, okay. and it does not have any um, roots coming out. Mm-hmm. But I, what I want to know is I started spraying uh, each morning, just spraying lightly the leaves because our house is very dry. Mm-hmm. thought that might help. So, so I also you- need to know, should I be... How much fertilizer and when should I be fertilizing it?
2: Okay, so these are good questions. Peace lily is a tropical plant, so it's inside your home. Is it anywhere near a window? Is it getting any any light?
4: It's it's uh, at a at the east. Um On a table uh, facing
2: the east window. Okay. So that's good. So it's getting some morning light. Yeah. And and it is, a peace lilies are pretty easy plants. You can put them in quite low light situations, and you can put them in full sunlight. Uh, The lower the light levels, the fewer flowers you will see. Oh. The fact that you've had some browning leaves and some tip browning, um, and I think I said this to you last week as well, is it's important to realize that, even though these plants are indoors and they're tropical plants, they still know that winter's coming. So, when um, the five leaves that have turned brown in this last week, are they the bigger, older leaves? Um, yes. Yes, and that is very, very normal and common because those being the older, more mature leaves, the plants are just very naturally starting to slow down. Older material, older leaves are going to be the first to die. It is never a bad sign when old leaves die as long as new growth and, you know, the young growth is still green and healthy looking and shiny and all that important stuff. Fertilizing, if you haven't fertilized for the last couple of months, then, yeah, go ahead. Next time you water, give it a shot of fertilizer. But... Do Remember that the plant, like I said, is naturally doing a bit of a slowdown because the days are getting shorter. So it's important to not over fertilize. It's an easy thing to do in the fall and winter when plants are not actively growing. The fertilizer can build up in the soil because the plants aren't using it.
4: So So, I have the the spikes that you insert into the the soil.
2: Right. And those spikes on the instructions, they'll tell you a certain – like a a quantity of spikes to insert based on the size of the pot. Oh, okay. So what I would do with the spikes is I would hold them till the spring, and I would definitely use them in March or April, whenever you remember – as per instructions. But not now? I wouldn't put them in now. Now, like I said, if you wanted to use a water-soluble, like a miracle Grow or something like that, you could certainly mix up some some water-soluble. Next time you're watering, water the plant, and even at half strength, right? It doesn't have to be full strength. You Mm -hmm. can just do a very, very light fertilizing just to try and, you know, maintain some nutrition in the soil, and that will maintain the health of the plant. But to lose some mature leaves, no worries. Get out your scissors, cut them off.
4: But it isn't
2: growing any new ones right right now. Oh, it, it is. If you look in the center of the plant, there's, they grow from the very center uh, like a rosette. And so if you look right down, it, it's happening slowly, but there, there's something going on there. And with a shot of fertilizer, you will see more active growth, no question. Okay. Okay. Thank
1: you so much, Ruth. Thank you.
4: Thank you so much.
1: Th- thanks for joining us here on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM, downtown Toronto
5: daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias for scythia and foxgloves, marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks fox hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams
0: you've picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio
1: and, Charlie, let's welcome a first-time caller to the air. It's Peter out in East York. Hello, Peter.
2: Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning, Charlie. How are you?
1: Fine, thank you very much. Um, my wife bought
6: uh, a plant beginning of the summer, and mm-hmm. uh, it's called a man- mandevilla. Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, I
2: bet. Is it pink or red? Pardon? What color are the flowers?
6: Red, nice. right red, oh, it's beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: And the hummingbirds love it too. Yes, anyway, wonderful. Um, what I wanted to know, mm-hmm. it's getting cooler now, and when we put it, put it away, somebody told me to put it down in our cold room. Was that, is that the best thing to do, or what is your advice?
2: Hmm, well, it's always interesting when it comes to the tropical plants is how to overwinter them most easily and effectively. Uh, are you? Do you stay? Do you go away for the winter, or are you around here? You stay well, at home.
6: there's always somebody here. Mm-hmm. Do go away, yes.
2: Okay. And do you have... Cold rooms can work, because what we do when we send a plant down into the cold room, which also is a dark room, is we put them into dormancy. We just say, okay, go to sleep. I'll see you in a couple months. I see. Um, however... Another thing you can do with this plant, if you have a patio door or bright sunny window, preferably facing south, is keep this plant actively growing as a house plant for the winter in a bright sunny location. Oh, I see. So you have the two options. It just kind of depends which. It, personally, I find it easier to keep plants actively growing because that way you know exactly what's going on. Yes. Putting them into a dormant state. Has it, it can be a bit tricky. Yeah, t- too little water and too much dark for too long can ultimately kill the plant. Wow. Um, but it, it it is a it's a process of slowing them down. And you know you they do get a bit of water, but they don't get any light to speak of. And of course you cut them right back to do this kind of a putting them into a, a like a coma kind of you know controlled coma if you will okay. for the winter, and then you wake them back up in the spring. But having it as a house plant is beautiful because that way you get all the flowers in your house when you bring the plant. In.
4: Oh, okay. okay.
2: So if you are considering bringing it in, which it sounds like you are, time to get it into a shady location now. Start the process of lowering the light levels on the plant so that yes. when it does come in, it will be less shocking for it. Oh, I see. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Very
1: good, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Thanks
2: for calling us. Yeah.
1: Here we are on Zoomer Radio in Toronto, and we're going out to Port Rowan now. Don is there. Hi, Don. Good morning. Welcome.
6: Morning, both. Good morning. I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, Frank has got his his place now as an undergardener. He's, <laughs> he's <laughs> ch- thank you. Recognizing
2: that. The challenge is keeping him there. You know, he just, his head, he just floats, you know, it gets swelled, and then he's, you know, he forgets that he's the under, undergardener. <laughs> oh,
6: anyway, dear. I have a German striped tomato. Oh, yeah. That I bought in the middle of, planted in the middle of June. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be taking an inordinate amount of water. Oh. -hmm. Uh, You know, they keep telling you don't overwater your tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And we have to water it almost every day with a couple of gallons of water.
2: Well, is it in a container or in the ground? In the ground. Mm. And you say that because it gets really limp if you don't?
6: Um, No, it gets. Dried out. The the soil dries, and you
2: um, you're not just judging by the surface of the soil. You're actually moving the soil aside and well, looking. I use
6: a moisture meter.
2: Oh, okay, huh?
6: And it's um, it gets down almost to the the driest part, about eight inches into the ground.
2: And that's like happening like almost every day. Now, obviously, you've got your tomatoes in full sun, which is important.
6: well, well I think that's the problem. They're in full sun and they're up against the white.
2: Oh uh, so yeah it yeah gets yeah pretty hot baking so
6: i put it i build a screen
2: uh-huh.
6: and put it in front of it in the afternoons oh. so it doesn't get the full sun nice. because the, at first the leaf started to all dry and curl
2: yeah well remember with that white wall you've got the reflected light yeah. and heat so that makes a huge difference on the plant yeah you're right so that amount of water um, could make sense in those circumstances but it is a pretty interesting tomato isn't it yeah, uh, you've obviously um, harvested some. Have you? Do you like well, the taste?
6: Uh, the first tomato came up had uh, blossom end rot. Oh,
2: too bad.
6: And the second one, which was right beside it, we just harvested yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not a hundred percent ripe, but it was uh, it was very nice. I enjoyed it very much. Um, but the the rest of them, I'm not getting very many. I've only got about six more on the plant, and. None of them are, are developing very much. They're very green.
2: They stay green. That's one of the things about this tomato. It, it's never going to turn red it's green striped. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Yours is called German striped for yeah. sure. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always sort of an odd looking tomato. I'm just pulling it up on the computer yeah, here.
6: I, um, I'm aware of that. It's hard to know when, <laughs> when they're ripe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause they, they're going to always have that orange. They're never going to turn red, red, red. Yeah. Uh, and so it's more just very gently feeling the flesh mm-hmm. right. and leaving it till it says, you know, ready to kind of slice right away and put on your plate. Super mm-hmm. sweet. Uh, to To do it that way and um, and when it comes, to, have you grown tomatoes in that location in the past? uh not for
6: many years,
2: okay, so uh, what about fertilizer? Have you been fertilizing at all?
6: Well, you know, uh there's so many different people saying, Do this, do that, do something else. Uh, I fertilized it three times, okay. I put it in.
2: All right. Well, that's substantial. Because, uh, you know, tomatoes are considered heavy feeders. Right. So they do want, you know, s- some consistent food. And and when you've got issues with the soil having, you know, drying out because of the beating sun, uh, remember a good thing to do perhaps for next year if you're planting in that area is get a hold of either make your own compost or get a hold of some, uh, well, you know. I have,
6: it's, it's in compost.
2: Good because I say a composted manure. You know, it's that idea of having lots of organic material, which will help retain some of that moisture in the soil, yeah, and of course also feeds feeds the plant as well as it decomposes. So the um,
6: um, the uh, when I read up on it, it, said that the the fruiting really ripening is about a hundred days, mm-hmm. and of course it's. I had two tomatoes ready long before that.
2: But were they very big or they were pretty well, small?
6: the first one, as they say, had yeah, blossom rot. was yeah. nice and red, and the one we harvested yesterday...
2: But yeah. hundred days is a long time because even a beefsteak is like an eighty wow. day yeah. tomato. So yeah. you know that. So you you know when you, what, this is where it's always nice to kind of play with some of the different varieties because you know this like early girl is you know like a fifty day tomato. So it's always nice to kind of mix up and have tomatoes coming in so early have August yeah. exactly yeah, right we through have, till we frost. Have a very
6: restricted space, so I yeah. have room for one plant.
2: Oh well, you picked a beauty.
6: Yeah. Well. Uh, uh, that's what I wanted, an heirloom that uh-huh. uh, would be big and, uh, and tasty, and it seems to be. Excellent. But I'm just concerned about the watering. I'm yeah. afraid to overwater it.
2: Well, if it's truly as dry as you mm-hmm. say, based on the moisture meter information, then it'd be hard to overwater. And the main thing with tomatoes is consistent water. Yeah. Because, you know, if we have tons of water one week and no water for two weeks, that's when we get all the skin splitting and all that sort of thing. So yeah. consistent watering is super important. Okay. That's what we've been trying. Excellent. Good for you. Thanks a lot, Don. Thanks, Don. Okay.
1: Have a great day and great long weekend in Port Rowan. As we head now to Alliston, there's Phyllis. Good morning, Phyllis.
7: Good morning. Good morning. Yes. How are you both today? Excellent. You? Good, good. Um, I'm calling about my corkscrew uh, tree or bush, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, I want to know if I should. uh, cut the, the branches off. Is it a corkscrew hazel? Um, I don't willow. know what would be the difference. I don't know. Tell
2: me what shape.
7: the f- It's all curled.
2: Yeah, the stems are all curled. What do the leaves look like?
7: The leaves are like kind of wilted. They okay. look wilted green.
2: Yeah, and they're kind of uh, rough to the touch? Uh, yeah, As opposed yes. to smooth? Yeah, so it sounds like a corkscrew hazel. Hazel, okay. okay. So your question is, it's, should you be... Should I cut the branches
7: off that doesn't have leaves on it?
2: Oh, well, yes, if there are, there are branches with no leaves and their branches are brown or right. black uh, or crispy looking, then they're dead. And those can be trimmed out any time you see them. So if you see them in the spring, if you see them in the summer, you see them in the fall, it yep. doesn't matter. Trim out anything dead when you, I, when you see that it's dead. Yep. The other thing with the corkscrew hazel plants is that sometimes you'll get some branches growing that are completely straight. They Mm -hmm. don't have the twist. Okay. Always cut those out, whether they're dead or alive. Always cut those out as soon as you see those. Like, follow that straight branch right down to where it's coming from and remove Mm -hmm. that. Otherwise, um, I wouldn't do a lot to the plant. If you wanted to do some trimming for shape or trimming just to thin it out a bit in the spring, that's fine. But I wouldn't do anything too dramatic right now in terms of pruning. Right, right.
7: Because there really wasn't a lot of leaves on it this year.
2: They are a plant that does not last forever. They have right. they have a certain life Ban, which seems to be between 20 and 25 years. Okay. When they die, they kind of seem to die for no apparent reason. What uh-huh. might be happening is that things are happening that have been causing, you know, stress or whatever to the plant, so it's a bit of a slow death, and you may find that there are no leaves next year. It may, it may just, if you leave it in the garden, it may just be a piece of sculpture in your garden next year, right. Uh, right. or it may be something that you'll remove yeah, and, I... and save some of the branches for arrangements and that sort of thing.
7: might have been the ice storm we had.
2: Very, very very hard because, on the plants. Yes.
7: And that's probably what happened. Yeah. But, uh, and I the, just wanted to know. So don't yeah. touch it now, just leave it
2: and I would yeah. yeah. If like I said, you could always remove anything that's dead right. uh, and then just, you know, keep an eye on it, look for any kind of Anything that's going on that shouldn't be going on uh, right. in terms of bug activity or anything like that. And, um, and, you know, sort of cross your fingers that it makes it through this winter. And right. then next spring, get ready with, you know, some compost, fertilizer, yeah. you know, good sharp pruning tools, uh, removing any dead at that time.
7: What about around the base of it? Should I maybe build something up, maybe leaves or... Some kind of soil or something around uh, the base of it. Not
2: until it's completely dormant, and I probably okay. wouldn't build a lot of soil. It's how old is this plant?
7: Well, uh, I've been here twelve years, so I guess maybe it's, it's at least over that. twenty years.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it could be. I'm just showing Frank some mm-hmm. fitch- pictures. Yeah. It's quite a beautiful plant. I mean, like I say, it's very, very sculptural. It's
7: very different. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, then. Thank you very much. You're
2: very welcome. Thank, Thank you for you your call. And
1: and uh, nine thirty nine here on the Garden Show. So. Charlie, let's take a little bit of a breather here, or certainly leave you time to get your breath, okay? (laughs) And we'll come back and have a word with actually first-time callers. So, Gene in Mississauga, hang tight. We're coming back to you here on Zoomer Radio.
0: Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, here, letting you know we've got one line open right now. If you want to get there, well, call in Toronto, 416-360-0740, or if you're out of town, anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And Jean in Mississauga, that's for you. Welcome, first-time caller. Good morning.
5: Hi, Hi Frank. Hi. I was going to say Charlotte. Yeah, you are Charlotte. I am actually
2: Charlotte, but don't tell anybody. Okay. (laughs) Um,
5: um, I think I know what you're going to answer me now That after hearing you talk to Peter, but I'll ask anyway. Mm -hmm. I I listen every week, so I know you say that you stop fertilizing your Mm -hmm. perennials Mm -hmm. and your roses now, Mm -hmm. but what about I have two tropical plants in containers, one's a hibiscus, one's a Mm burgumansia, and I have have quite a few hanging pots like geraniums and fuchsias. Mm -hmm. Can I still fertilize
2: those Okay, so the Brugmansia and hibiscus, do they come into your house for the winter? Yes. Uh, Yes, you could fertilize them. And similar to what I said to Peter, move them into the shade now so that you're lowering the light levels in preparation to come inside. So it's less shocking on them. What about the hanging baskets? You probably don't keep those for the winter, do you? Or do you? No. No. So... With our annuals, which is things like geraniums and petunias, this includes our vegetables like our tomatoes. There's absolutely nothing wrong with continuing to fertilize those right up until frost. They're going to die in the frost. Anyway, all we're trying to do is, you know, sort of cause...
5: So stop stop fertilizing the hibiscus and the burgumansia?
2: When was the last time you fertilized? Oh, just this week. Okay, so if you fertilized this week, then I would not fertilize them again until... Kind of depends how actively they're going to be growing inside your home, right? How much light they're going to be getting. Uh, if they're going to go into a really bright, optimal situation inside your home, then yeah, you may want to give them half-strength fertilizer in October or November, and then again in January or February, and then get back into full-strength fertilizer in March or April. So, uh, but okay. if they're going into like a eastern exposure inside your home, and they're going to you know just well, be hunkering down,
5: I, I put in uh, in a in a w- window uh, mm-hmm. keep it growing mm-hmm. but the bergamanzia I take down to the basement I put it into dormancy
2: right so then so no more fertilizer for that because it, it, the poor plant does not understand you're pushing growth with fertilizer but then you're taking away its opportunity to growth by putting it into a dark uh, cool location. so mm-hmm. so okay. no more fertilizer because it'll just be a toxic buildup in the soil. But certainly like I said with the hibiscus if it's going to be actively growing there's nothing wrong with continuing to fertilize. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you,
1: Jean, for uh, number one being a regular listener, but also now a first time caller. Terrific.
2: And don't be a stranger. (laughs) No, exactly. The door is
1: always (laughs) open here at the uh, garden show. Well, Cindy in Pickering, what's on your mind this morning?
8: Well, you helped me save some rhododendrons that were in really bad
2: shape. Oh, good. So
8: they're doing well. Nice. But because you're supposed to keep them a semi damp, Hmm. what else can I put in this garden bed?
2: Uh, So is it a particularly low-lying, moist area, or is it just an area that you irrigate consistently?
8: Well, it says to keep them damp. So should I not be?
2: The rhododendrons? Yeah. Um, Well, the thing about rhodos is they're very shallow-rooted. So because of that and, you know, hot sun shining down on them, the surface of the soil dries up very quickly, and then the rhododendrons start to suffer. So what that's why we don't typically plant them in a super sunny location, a little morning sun or dappled sun is good. Uh, mulch on the surface of the soil best kind of mulch for rhododendrons, of course, is something like pine needles mm-hmm. or or spruce cones if you, you know how people are out there raking underneath their spruce trees and they get bags and bags of spruce cones or pine cones from a pine or you know, any of the needles. Excellent mulch around rhododendrons. Yes,
8: I have that. But uh-huh. what else can I put in the bed? Well, um... It looks empty. <laughs>
2: is, how big is the bed?
8: Uh, oh, maybe five by six. Five by six. Or eight.
2: Well, okay, other plants that like the same kind of conditions would include plants like hydrangea. Um, you know, the, not the PG hydrangeas, but the, the mop head or the macrophylla hydrangeas. Holly is a plant, which is Ilex, is the proper term for the proper name.
8: But well, Holly, I would need the male and female. Is
2: yes, it- yeah, okay. if you want berries. And there's many of the garden centers now carry, they call it like a magic berry or whatever, so that in the one pot, there'll be more than one plant. So there'll be one male and often two females all in one plant, or they've sometimes even grafted the males and females onto the same plant. So you're getting the pollen from the male plant and the berries on the female plants. So holly's a good one. Um, Pieris, P-I-E-R-I-S. P-I-E-R-I-S. Pieris, very similar kind of plant to rhododendrons, broadleafed evergreen, loves those same acidic... dappled shade kind of situations, a great one to think about. Even blueberries do very well in the same kind of situation. So any of those are plants that require the same kind of uh, conditions. Okay, so
8: it's it's because of the acidity.
2: Mm-hmm. Acidity, yeah. lots of peat moss, uh, m- which holds moisture, of course, and yeah, low pH. So we've got the yeah, acidic soil. Well, I
8: have soil. access, luckily, to the pine cones and the this roof. but my other like my other problem with water
2: mm-hmm.
8: my um bamboo mm-hmm. was only slated for twenty five below i of course it went so cold mm-hmm. um so I've lost them, mm-hmm. but they're um I don't know what I was out at the garden center I can't get anything lower than. Twenty-five. Right. So, yeah. for the conditions of being damp in a bathtub, because they were clumping. Yeah, yeah. Is a sumac tree? Hmm.
2: Could those sumacs? I don't think of them as liking a lot of moisture per se. Oh, well, well. you may know, always see them growing. They naturalize on slopes, and they do like the drainage on the slope. You know, it's a great plant, great shrub that loves moisture. Well, two come to mind: willow. Any willow plant, pussy willows, corkscrew willow, love the moisture. Uh, The other one is elderberry. Elderberry, which gives you lovely berries, of course, flowers and berries. you got to fight the birds off. But they do love moisture consistent moisture.
8: Oh, okay, because we have lots of birds in that. We have ponds. Nice. They like the water. They come for the water. So the berries would be an extra blessing.
2: Oh, they would love it.
8: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) because you can't get a bamboo below 25, can you?
2: I don't think so. Uh,
8: I was creating sort of a little Japanese garden back Mm. there and it was just perfect and they only lasted two years.
2: Yeah, we well, we had those two killer winters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Cindy, we kind of have to move along here, okay? But thank you very much for calling into the Garden Show, and we look forward to uh, hearing from you again, of course. And uh, online we have actually the next uh, three callers I see that there are two first-time callers. So wow. let's take a little bit of a break here in order to leave time to chat with each and
0: every one of them. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio
1: at nine fifty-three. I've been giving my bell-ringing arm some action here. I, just,
2: you're going to need <laughs> some extra Sierra's <cereal laughs> so after right. <laughs> that.
1: Ken in Orangeville, first-time caller. Welcome to the show.
2: Hello. Good morning, yeah. Ken. Uh, yeah. I, I guess
6: I told your screener what I want to know. Mm-hmm. I have an, an almond tree seedling. Mm-hmm. It came from uh, some nuts that were put through the compost and then out in the garden. And this spring, there's, I found a, an almond nut that was sprouting. Wow. So I have a little greenhouse, and I put it in there, and it's growing nicely, and now it's about four feet high.
2: Wow. <laughs> Good for you.
6: J- just a whip, more or less. Yeah, yeah. But I want to know how to look after it.
2: Well, That's a—okay. That, um, do you have access to the Internet? No. No.
6: No, I'm not computerized.
2: No. Okay, so you know what we should do? Maybe Sebastian <laughs> will uh, will put you—we'll go back to you, Sebastian. He, you're going to give him your mailing address, and I'm going to mail you some information that I'm going to print off the web— called Nut Growing Ontario Style, yeah. including information on almonds. Because as you recognize, this plant is not hardy enough to live outdoors. Well, in that's,
6: that's what I thought.
2: Particularly in Orangeville. Yeah. I guess down in Niagara, there are some almonds that will survive, and certainly in Victoria, but not in Orangeville. So it will have to stay in your greenhouse, but I'm going to mail you some information just to help you with some tips on how to so help can, that yeah, plant.
1: Hang on, hang on to the line while uh, yeah. Sebastian gets your information there, readdress and uh, Charlie, as promised, we'll, we'll get to you, okay?
2: Thank you, Sebastian, and thanks well, for your call, Ken.
1: Excellent. 954, with the Brantford in mind, there's Thomas. Good morning, Thomas. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning. Um, my problem is um, I think I have too much nitrogen in
6: my soil. i planted some green beans, and they're about eight foot tall, and I have about two beans on them.
2: <laughs> oh, mm. So how did too much nitrogen get there, do you think? Have you been fertilizing a lot, or...?
6: I may have made my soil too rich. We have access to city compost, and uh. I may have put in too much compost. Hmm. If that's possible, I don't yeah, know.
2: Yeah, I don't know if that's possible. Um, I mean, nitrogen comes from sources like manure, uh, because, of course, it's the um, ammonia in manure, which is nitrogen and hydrogen, that provides all the nitrates mm-hmm. that plants love. And you're absolutely correct. Nitrogen creates a lot of green growth. So your beans are, are certainly acting like they've got too much nitrogen by growing eight feet tall and having so few flowers on them. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do to lower the nitrogen? Um, time will always lower the nitrogen quantity in soil because nitrogen is water soluble so mm-hmm. water will just rain and snow melt and all that sort of thing will carry nitrogen out of the soil down to the water table and out to wherever you know your your drainage goes mm-hmm. so Perhaps, if it has been a nitrogen problem this season, next year, with no further addition of nitrogen, uh, you'll be fine. So the others,
6: don't fertilize or compost next year?
2: Oh, definitely probably wouldn't plan to fertilize. But you know what? If in doubt, you can always get a soil test. Okay. Uh, soil testing, you can do a little home soil test by getting a kit from a good garden center or you can go right through to the uh, Ontario Ministry of Agriculture and Food has a whole page on their website of accredited soil testing laboratories in Ontario. Okay. And you're calling from Brantford, so your closest one's going to be in Guelph. Okay. Um, but it, do you, do have you have a website for that? Do you, uh, I can give it to you. Do you have access to the internet? Yes. So if you Google... It's actually just the acronym O M A F R A. So O M A F R A, -A -A, Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs.
1: Okay, that's great. Thank you. Google that, that.
2: and and once you've got that, just do soil testing labs.
1: Okay, thank you kindly. Thanks for your call. Super, Thomas. Thank
2: you. And
1: I do believe. Quick
2: like bunnies. We'll see if we can fit this in. Okay, because
1: Marilyn from Pickering is a first-time caller. Mm, There you go, Marilyn. Welcome to the show
3: thank you thank you for taking my call quick question i want to plant five gallon emerald cedars in the next week or two is it still is it a good time to do it i'm not too late Going into the fall, or should I wait till next year to plant?
2: I would not plant emerald cedars at this time of year because your death rate is going to be anywhere from 40 40 (laughs) to 60% this winter. The emerald cedars all come from the West Coast, whether it's Oregon or British Columbia uh, or um, Seattle area, Washington, so they're not ready for Ontario. So any freshly arrived emerald cedars are not going to be happy this winter. Spring is your best time to be planting them. Oh, I'm so glad I called. So okay. Thank you for that. I was just heading out to buy some, so yeah. I'm glad I called. I mean, unless you're getting them from a supplier that guarantees for, that they were grown in Ontario. That's possible, not highly likely, but possible.
3: Oh, okay. okay well, then so, I will hold off till next year.
4: Okay. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks.
1: Thank you, you. Thank you very much. And, Kiwis, uh, I meant to mention this right off the top of the show, that you are looking exceedingly uh, fine today oh, with your lovely. your lovely wardrobe.
2: I know. I don't You're often off. wear a dress to the radio know, show. I'm usually I in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> or yeah, a pair of shorts, whatever. <laughs> but uh, no, you're looking just spectacular, my Thank darling. Thank you, darling.
2: I am off to a garden party, so yeah. I thought, time to pull out a garden party dress. And uh, yeah, the family barbecue, it's going to be quite a lot of fun at my cousin's back garden. And uh, you, what have you got up your well, sleeve? Well,
1: actually, uh, after I get finished with a little work this afternoon, I'll be on the air for two hours from 1.30 to 3.30. And then I whip up to the farm uh, in uh, the and Aurora And you're area.
2: having a family party, too. Uh, yes, I am. My nice. son,
1: Kelly, and his girlfriend, Kitty and uh, two of my grandkids are going to be up there. Uh, actually, they're going to come a little earlier, so they'll be enjoying a walk through the woods and uh, Visiting all the horses. Stuff. Yeah. And the horses, <laughs> that's right, that's right. All
2: yeah. right, so um, next week we have a special guest joining us. Oh, yeah. Carolyn mm-hmm. DeVries uh, runs a, a company that is an importer of bulbs, and now is the big time of year. All the bulbs are coming in from Holland, whether it's the tulips and, mm-hmm. you know, daffodils and hyacinths, or it's those beautiful amaryllis that we all love so much because we we give them as gifts and we plant them ourselves indoors. They're tropical bulbs, but they bloom so beautifully for Christmas. And uh, Carolyn not only sells to the trade through her Trade Tradewinds mm-hmm. company, but she also sells to the public through a website called Bulbs Are Us. Well,
1: you brought that up in the monitor here. Yeah, I oh, showed God, you. Some of those flowers yeah. ever beautiful. Yeah, that's right,
2: and you can obviously buy online. Mm-hmm. But uh, So she'll be here next week. She's going to answer all your questions about how to plant, when to plant, how to keep your amaryllis perfect, and also hopefully tell you a little bit about her website and what she offers to the public and some of the gorgeous yep. new varieties they're bringing Absolutely. in this year. So stay Stay tuned next week for that. Hey,
1: uh, the gar, car guys, uh, Dave and uh, Alan are set to go. Look at them. Uh, they look they, kind of
2: lonely in there. Where's <laughs> there's the whole Alan gang? Gellman it's just the two people jumping up and down, on? revving their engines. <laughs> you just see the, the dance they're doing. It's my God.
1: <laughs> More energy than they deserve. Anyway. Thanks, we, Frank. Uh, had a great time today, as
2: usual. Yes, you're the best. And thank you, Sebastian, for all your help. See you all again next week.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.